Y'all, I am Tyler Meredith, and welcome to another episode of BDE, Big Disney Energy, baby. Let's make some magic. Y'all, thank you for joining us on another episode of BDE, Big Disney Energy. I am so stoked for our guests to be here today. She is one of my favorite actors in the city of Chicago, a titan on stage. She slays on screen. You can catch her in Slice on streaming platforms now. She is a true, true Chicago queen. Thank you so much for being here, Ray Gray. Hey, thanks for having me. (laughs) So excited to be here. (laughs) I'm so excited to talk about your, would you say your favorite Pixar movie? Or Yeah, I think, I think it's my favorite and also just works into my life in a layer of ways. Yeah. Um, so just the most relevant also came Ra- out at, at the right time. Yes. And I feel like Ratatouille, which we were talking about, is something, it, it is a film that is overlooked all the time. Yeah. I mean, there's no presence at like theme parks, there's no. no, like if you go into the Disney store, there's mm-hmm. no Ratatouille merchandise. Although my yep. brother did, did get me a Ratatouille shirt for Christmas that I <gasps> probably wow. got at the Disney store. Wow. But yeah. It's really, it's really forgotten and people mm-hmm. don't think of it. I mean, maybe cause it doesn't fit the normal princess prince. Yeah. Formula. Yeah. Um, that might be a big part of it. it I also think maybe it's a little more sophisticated than a lot of the other movies. 100%. Like, not in a better way, but mm-hmm. it's just about like being a cook in a kitchen and rats. These aren't <laughs> things that, and like heat and knives and rat poison. <laughs> and, all, and then like, it starts with an old lady with like a, a fumigation torch for rats. Yes, yes. And then, uh, yes. And then she has a shotgun. It's, yeah, it's not, yeah, not, it's not violent. Really kid-friendly so much. <laughs> right. So I get it. And it came out when I was a teenager, so it makes sense to me. Like, it really hit for me as a teenager as starting to understand some darker concepts. <laughs> 100%. Like, rats, so like mushrooms. Right, right. And also, you know, I mean, who doesn't want a film about small fuzzy creatures and Michelin star restaurants? I mean, I understand that that would not hit for everyone, but it hits for me and well, you. And it's a great scenario because the most dangerous place for a rat is a kitchen. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. the most dangerous place. So you have a rat that wants to cook. I mean, that's just like a classic <laughs> setup right there. It is. It really is. You have your tension. You have like that, that, that great sequence when he falls into Gusto's kitchen and he's like, spends five minutes trying to get to the window and there's that great score behind it. And you're like, yes. this rat is going to never get out of this kitchen. Yes. And it's, yeah. it's very tense. It is. It is tense. Yeah. We'll, we'll get back there. What I'm curious mm-hmm. about is what is your relationship to Disney or what has it been up until now? I think it started with the parks. Actually, I used to go mm-hmm. as a kid my family, my parents, my brother and I would go and we would stay at the Contemporary Resort the best. near Magic Ugh. Kingdom. Yeah, it was really great. We'd do the character breakfasts. We, it was awesome. And then like, I went on my senior year of high school softball trip there to the ESPN World of Sports and we stayed at a Disney hotel. And then we've actually just continued to go there frequently. Um, but I, and obviously I watched the films as well. Um, mm-hmm. I was obsessed with Lion King as a kid. <laughs> I had so ma- like, and I would lose everything as a kid. So I can't tell you how many plastic little Simbas my mom had to buy me because <laughs> I would lose them everywhere. Um, I had my, my Zazu stayed put though. I was never really playing with him. I was like, Ugh, Zazu, come on. Oh, Stop. I mean, yeah. He's a fun sucker. Come on. Right. <laughs> but um, yeah, I think it was the parks. I think it was like, That's awesome. The, the physical manifestation of these characters that came from one guy's head and how that led to a place you can go and be transported and, mm-hmm. and like forget about life. And just, it was all about the imagination. Totally. So that was a big part of it. And then I just think in terms of the films, they're all actually really sophisticated. They all have dark elements. They all mm-hmm. have things where every time I watch one, a movie, 
I get a new joke or something like that. Uh That happened to me today. I was seeing Ratatouille for the 20th time and (laughs) I understood a joke I never got before. And like, so, so that's always happening. And it's just like, it's the best of the best. All the voices are always great. They're not necessarily Mm -hmm. like the most famous person they could find. Yes. Yeah. And I love how loyal they are to their voice actors as well. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. They use a lot of the same ones that don't necessarily are that aren't necessarily household names. Yeah, exactly. Just amazing and have amazing ranges. And Ugh. yeah, so I I love Disney, but I would say my way in was definitely the parks, and that's something I still get so excited about. That's awesome. What are you what are your f- three favorite Disney movies? Um, well, definitely my favorite is Ratatouille just because it's just, it hits on a lot of personal levels. (laughs) Um, I also like the Incredibles. Yes. Um, I love family drama on screen. (laughs) I can relate. I have, I actually, I have three family members in the same business. So I understand, (laughs) unfortunately, not the superhero business, the entertainment business, but (laughs) <laughs> nearly the same nearly, nearly the, the same, same i guess but i i just love that movie too it's so funny and moving yeah. and yeah. um another great score music is so important oh yeah and i i feel like pixar has really set themselves apart in the way that alan Menken really set that like 90s disney renaissance yeah. apart like yes. the the way they craft pixar scores to fit each movie is so specific it's so yeah. exciting. I mean, it's like John Williams level iconic. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it is. It really is. Incredible. Yeah. Um, um, sorry, go ahead. Oh, no. If you were a character in the Disney verse, including the Pixar verse, who would you be? Um, I mean, not to continue. I mean, pro- <laughs> honestly, probably like Remy or yes. Violet Parr. Oh, uh, my God, because you please play her in a live action. That would sure. be incredible. Okay, I'm done <laughs> with that. Um, I've always wanted, like when people ask what superpower you would want, I always want invisibility. I just, oh, I don't sure. that's so cool to me. Yes. Um, and also she's got the, you know, the force field thing going on. Yeah. Um, but I probably relate the most to Belle in Beauty mm. and the Beast. That's probably mm. my, other, my other favorite Disney movie. But just oh, yeah. weird bookworm falls in love with the, beastly things <laughs> i can yeah. relate yeah <laughs> totally totally weirdly i can too um mm-hmm. yeah <laughs> that's great that's great i love that and i love when like answers are unexpected like i'd be like oh maybe you'll say remy but then like violet part like i never think about violet i and then when i think about her i'm like oh my god of course that makes so much sense like well, she I, also grows a lot you know she's like yeah. she's she's like shy there's the cute boy and then she like gets up the guts to ask him and i just i relate to that journey yeah <laughs> I, I felt like a ghost when i was in high school like i yes i felt like i was this really mm-hmm. funny wacky kid in middle mm-hmm. school and then in college i sort of refound that but in high school i was like what what am I supposed to be doing? Now there's all these boys around that have gone yes. through puberty. What am I supposed to be doing? Yes. I, I often I felt like Gus Gus from Cinderella. I yes. was just like, this shirt is too short, but everyone else is wearing them. <laughs> so maybe I should wear it. That was me in high school. So. And that's smart. I mean, that's intelligent. You know what I mean? Yeah. <laughs> just trying to go with what everyone else is doing, assuming that the majority knows best. Right. <laughs> right. Unfortunately, that's often not the case. But yes. It yes. should be. Yeah. Maybe, yeah, like maybe all of these other mice are leading me on a suicide mission to go get these beads for Cinderella, Mm -hmm. but like I might go along with it for a while and hopefully not get killed, you know? Yeah, I mean, fingers crossed. You can yeah. only hope for the best. Um, you know, make your mark and then just move on. Whatever happens, happens. Yes. Okay. So Ratatouille released mm-hmm. in 2007, which I, I, I don't know why I thought, I don't know if I thought it was earlier than that. Like maybe it's because it's timeless that the date surprised me for some reason. Yeah, the only reason that I remember that it was that year was because I was in a show at the time. Mm-hmm. And that always like sort of fixes things in my memory. I was doing Meet Me in St. Louis oh. in, uh, when I was a sophomore in high school. And I had two pet rats, um, Silas, Silas and Kokomo. 
Wow. And and I just remember seeing the billboard on the expressway when we were driving home from, it was at Drury Lane Oak Brook when we were driving home every day. Mm -hmm. And I was like, Ratatouille, wait, Disney's coming out with a movie about rats and I have two pet rats. This is insane. (laughs) This is me. Um, (laughs) This is totally me. And it's about a rat that cooks. Yes. obsessed with food. Yes. They made the movie particularly for me. Yeah. They, um, <laughs> yeah. They were like, Patton yeah, like, Oswald should be in this film and we are going to make it for this Cubs fan in Chicago mm-hmm. because it is her life. Exactly. And also, I was a big, strangely, King of Queens fan, which Patton was whoa, on. Whoa. Like, why was I watching that as a 15 year old girl? I don't, I don't know. know. Yeah, it's I was like really you, into it. It's like you and my father in law. I'm like, huh, okay. Right. Yeah, yeah. Just- I know. I know. I'm like a 60 year old man right. in the body of a 27 year old woman. <laughs> Oh, yeah. So we, we meet Remy and he's just like, I mean, the animation also in this film is so mind blowing from Mm -hmm. like the fur to the food. I mean, every, and I mean, I guess, you know, no one's surprised the animation is always brilliant, but something about their fur, it blew my mind when I saw it. Yeah, and when it's like wet versus dry, yes, um, yes. or dirty, or they're or or lightningy. Yes, light when they get all when fuzzed. they get zapped. <laughs> and I was yes. like, yeah. And having had rats, I know all the levels of cleanliness of matted fur and all of that. <laughs> and I'm like, I just think the detail is astounding in general. Yes, um, it is. It really is. Of the water, there's a lot of water sequences in the movie. Yes. Oh, especially yeah. Especially. Not to jump ahead, but like when yeah. Skinner pops his head out of the water later. Oh that, yeah. It looks amazingly real. And then it just does. the beginning sequence when the rats are escaping the old lady's house. Oh, yeah. And you're like, how how did you make this look re- so real? And it's just the detail and the, I don't even know, but it's yeah. it's amazingly real. It really is. Yeah. And I, I love that we are just introduced to him as like the sweet little mouse who just has a great palate for food. And like, that's a given. They're just like, here is this given circumstance. Yeah. And um, he has a great palate. You're not going to question how a rat could have a great palate, but there it is. <laughs> right. I mean, it kind, it kind of makes sense because mm-hmm. they do have an incredible sense of smell. Right. You're right. So it, it kind of makes sense in that in that regard Mm -hmm. but then you have the survival regard which like his dad and brother are focused on which is like we just need to eat whatever right doesn't taste good this is food is fuel yes i Um, love that they bring up that argument like right away that like you are what you eat or i love it you know immediately he's like well if i am what i eat i only want to eat the good stuff and that argument of like stopping and savoring and really enjoying life versus like fueling yourself to get through it. And I'm like, damn, Pixar. Okay, that's like 15 minutes into the movie. <laughs> it's one of 4 million lessons in Ratatouille. Yeah, it really it's is. It, it's just the kind of rat that he is. He's just mm-hmm. curious about the world. Mm-hmm. None of his brothers and sisters are. Right, right. And, so the, and then food is his way out because he's in this old woman's house and he sees Gusteau come on the TV and, mm-hmm. and there's all the spices there. And it's like, of course, that's how a rat would be curious about the outside world. Right. Of course, it would be through food. And like, what are these humans doing? What is this weird looking thing? It's supposed to go in your mouth and give you energy. Right, right. And so I, it does make sense. I No, I totally agree. And I, it was funny because as I was taking notes, I was like, oh, great. I can't wait to ask Ray if she likes rats and mice because I love rats and mice. I've saved so many rats in Chicago. I don't know how, but they've crossed my paths many a times when they are stuck in things or ETC and I've gotten the chance to save them. And I love them. I love mice. I've always wanted to have pet rats. And so I love that that was the question I was going to ask you. And I'm like, cool, cool, cool. Absolutely glad we're on the same page. That is so sweet of you. I don't even know if I would have the guts to save a wild rat. I mean, I don't think it was smart. I did have gloves on, but... uh, Okay, that's good. Well, if you had gloves on... Yeah, I, I get that. There's a layer of protection. I guess. Yes. Yeah. yeah I yeah. love rats. <laughs> I ended up having two more. So I, I ultimately had four rats. Total. Oh, what were the others' names? Um, 
Um, Milo and Alfie. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah, and I'm Milo obsessed. I sold for some reason. And Alfie was from, actually, three of them were from Petco. But mm. Alfie, I was like so obsessed with rats at that point that I got Alfie from a breeder. I made my dad drive me like two hours into the middle of nowhere a little one to get this rat, Alfie, who was a wow. Rex rat, and Rex rats have curly hair. What? It's like a really rare trait, and the and the rat is way more expensive. And so it was it was like an albino rat that had this curly, fluffy hair. He's like a perm. Exactly. And it was just the cutest, most well-behaved. I really liked them. I mean, it, they were great. I had rats and lizards. Um, I was really into lizards. Yeah. 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 I was definitely a, a a turtle kind of gal, like loved, loved a turtle. I mean, I, I, I don't even know how many hamsters, gerbils, guinea pigs, any, literally any creature I could (laughs) obtain. I wanted them all. I was on the same page. I don't like mice as much as rats though. I have to Oh, okay. Sure, 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 sure. They're not as smart. They're a little meaner. I also had mice oh. when I was much oh, younger. Okay. Um, Good so know. I have to say I'm rat over mouse. Okay. Rat over mouse. Fair, fair, fair. Although I'm, Mickey Mouse, I, that's an exception. I, well, naturally. Yeah. That, but I didn't realize that mice were meaner. That's so I think it's just because they're dumber. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, you can also like potty train a rat. Whoa. Um, what? If you, just, if you have a litter box for it and you just keep scooping the poop into the litter box, it ultimately <gasps> just goes in the litter box. Except when it's getting a bath wow. and it's really nervous and then it'll poop oh. everywhere. Oh, sure, sure, sure. Who There's actually I? a great <laughs> shot in Ratatouille that he poops in, but nobody ever catches it. <gasps> what is it? Um, He's running up. It's it's when he's running up from the sewers to discover uh-huh. Paris the first time, and he's going uh-huh. through that building. Uh-huh. And there's a part where he scurries up a wall, and you see a little pellet drop. It's like a millisecond. Oh, oh my god! Dropping a poop, and it makes me so happy every time I see it. That's because like you wouldn't know. No, and that's like a perfect little Pixar Easter egg. They're like, exactly. oh yeah, that's awesome. Oh my of course god. it poops. Because otherwise course. it's way too unrealistic. You've got the rats <laughs> in the kitchen, you know, doing like using the mandolin to slice eggplant, you know. <laughs> you yep, have you're to right. have a poop shot in there because they poop incessantly. Oh, fair. They're just trying to be realistic while balancing out our expectations, you know? Exactly. Because, yeah. you know, pull, pulling on somebody's hair to control their movements is very realistic. Right, right. <laughs> exactly. And so he... After we have, we've been in the kitchen, he has picked out a spice. He's like, oh, maybe I'll go to Paris. Then like all fucking hell breaks loose and like old lady busts out a shotgun again, violent. Um, <laughs> but I violent. Do, right. I do understand the terror of like maybe a hundred rats in your house. I mean, there is, a, there is a fleet in her home, which seems frightening, maybe, Oh, it's terrifying. When it when the ceiling falls, it's terrifying. Oh my god. Why would a shotgun ever be helpful to catch a scurrying rat? Right. You know, and then shooting at your ceiling, like just call the exterminator. I mean, it seems like she lives very far outside of France. Yeah, she's there's gotta be somebody local though that can take care of that. Right. Like she is in full country past Provence. Like we're not near the city. We are not in a suburb. There must be like like her friend, you know, Franck, who can just like come on Frank, over. Exactly. <laughs> Franck in France. Exactly. I mean, Remy doesn't even know they're in France. Right. He sounds American. I think he thinks he's American. I think so too. And I do. Everyone else is French except for Linguini. So. Yeah, right. <laughs> I do love when Disney is like, and the protagonists are American. Everyone else is British. You know, just like right. like Peter Pan is American. Everyone else is British. Like right. they just don't like have no care of continuity. They're like somehow this makes better sense for our audience. Yeah, they're like the kids will get it. Yeah, they won't care. Yeah, yeah, they won't sense. question it. I think they're probably better about that now. I think that's something that's come more into consciousness the past. Yes. Yes. <laughs> yeah, I agree. But that was before we were conscious about those sorts of things. Very true. They're like, it's fine. This person yeah. can voice this person. And why would we care? Thank yeah, God. We'll just get the best person. It'll be fine. Right. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, and I feel like as they're leaving, as 
they're leaving the house to get in the river. He has his book with him. I love that he goes back to save the cookbook. And then (laughs) we're kind of instantly presented with this battle between like following your dreams and meeting your family's expectations. Mm, So deep. (laughs) So deep, which I find in this movie, so many Pixar movies, I feel like, but also like, in Little Mermaid, in so many of those, uh, in, you know, Beauty and the Beast, like people's expectations versus doing what you actually want to do, which is, I mean, that's insane. And like a great lesson for kids to be aware of. It is. It's like dreamers versus practical people. Totally. You know, they never understand each other. And Mm -hmm. there are always two sides to that argument is like doing what you want to do. Anyone can cook. Or there's the people who like Anton Ego at the beginning is like, no, not everyone can cook. Yes. So, yeah, I mean, but I think the family acceptance of, you know, what you want to do and being true to yourself is a lesson that Disney is always pushing and is really, really cool because I'm also sure the creators of these movies are dreamers. Yes. The writers. And so it's, it's representing them and it's representing the artist. I think one of the really cool things about Ratatouille is that I don't think a lot of people really know about how much thought goes into food. Yes. Like, yes, cooking shows are popular, but a lot of them are simpler. Like it'll, you know, they'll be like Giada or in a garden or, or mm-hmm. whatever. And they're more simple meals mm-hmm. and people aren't necessarily watching top chef or, or more sophisticated things are going out to eat. Yes. I don't think people are spending money to go to a lot of high concept restaurants. And this yes. sort of shows you all the intention and expression and creativity that can go into this art form. Yeah. And I think that's, that's true of most art forms. I don't think most people know how much effort and thought and art goes into acting. Totally. I mean, I think most people like my aunt and uncle, they, you know, they like watching SWAT and <laughs> you know, all of those kinds of shows. And they're like, the actor just shows up and looks good and says their line and there's no real creativity in it. And I think that's another lesson that these dreamers, the creators of this movie is that they're conveying is just all the difficulty and beauty that actually goes into this particular art form, which is cooking. And I don't think a lot of people necessarily know about that. Yeah, totally. Yeah. It's, um, I, I, I love that, some of the voice actors in this movie, they also uh, they also are animators for Pixar. They're directors for Pixar. Uh, yes. Peter, Peter Son, who voices Emil, mm-hmm. has worked on like maybe 15 Pixar movies. Um, That's and amazing. I, yeah, I love that. Um, the, and what I love about Disney and, uh, and definitely Pixar is like their, their support for art and the art form and artists and the continuity of that, I think is so brilliant because that's the message they're preaching, you know? Yeah. And they're like more Easter eggs too. It's like Brad Bird plays Anton Ego's assistant. Oh, you know, like, oh yeah. That's, that's Brad Bird. Like that's Brad Bird talking. Yeah. He's yeah. Got a bit of a British accent and that's cool because He's normally more on the writing, creating side of things. Yes. Oh my God. Yes. That's really cool. It's a really exciting little nugget. Um, Yeah. All the voices, the the chefs in the kitchen too. There's a great variety of voices there too. Yeah. They're, they're so brilliant. And I love Brad Garrett as the voice of Gusto, who truly, I was like, you couldn't have found a better um, a better voiceover actor whose voice sounded more like soup. Like it is the creamiest yes. fucking consistency. <laughs> it's perfect. It's so creamy and yeah. it's got this depth. It's like the soup that Remy yes. makes. Yes. It's it, so there's like a little garlic spice in it, but you know, it's smooth. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then he does when he's doing the Gusto's frozen meals and he starts putting on all <laughs> those different accents. Yes. It's like that's a, amazing because his French accent was so good and it's so full of joy. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, oh my gosh, all the dialects are, are absolutely brilliant from, I mean, from everybody, Janine Garofalo blows my mind. Um, as yeah, Colette. Me too. like her, I was like, her voice is almost unrecognizable. I always forget that it's her. Yeah, me too. Oh, it's like something I've had to look up the first six times I saw the movie because I was yeah. like, that's not, oh, that's 
that's awesome. She sounds excellent. <laughs> and that's such a hard accent to do because actually like Irish, I think those two accents are sort of exaggerated in mm-hmm. a really false way most of the time. Uh-huh. But I find that the the French accents in Ratatouille, obviously I'm not French or an expert, so maybe somebody who was would have a different opinion. To my ear, they they sound really, really genuine. Yeah, I think so too. Um, and then, so we've, we've met Gusto. He is now his Yoda, um, his Yoda ghost. Um, and then gets to discover that he has been under Paris the whole time, which was incredible to me because the idea that, you know, sometimes you get what you're looking for after you've literally lost everything. It's just like another sweet little, sweet little tray of goodies that Pixar is like, did you want your like fifth life lesson uh, 30 minutes into this movie? (laughs) Yeah, exactly. And for him to, you know, as a rat, he's already as far away from a chef as he could be, but that little surprise of being Uh in the, basically the most important food city in the world. I'm sure other people would argue but I, I, from my point of view, Paris is the most important food city of the world. French cooking came out of there, and that's one of the most employed styles of cooking. Um, and for him to discover that he's there also shows you what a small little world he was living in and how yeah. big his world's about to become, which is so exciting. Yeah. I was going to ask you, have you been to Paris? No, I've okay. never been. Um, I've only been to Ireland, actually. I've never been to any other country, but it's, it's number one on my list. I'm, I'm sure. Yeah. Yeah, I would love to. Do you have a favorite French restaurant in Chicago that you like? Um, I did. It used to be Bistro Margot, which closed. It was on uh, Wells. Yes. It was wonderful. Um, but now I don't really, I, it's not like really as trendy right now. Yeah, um, that's true. The best French restaurant I've been to recently actually was in LA. It was called Petit Trois. Mm-hmm. Um, and that blew my mind. I went there like a year ago and that was some of the best French food that I've ever had. Oh, um, awesome. But yeah, I mean, after Bistro Margot closed, I haven't had like a good French fix in, in a while. I yeah. need to get on that. Yeah. Um, so, okay. So we are, we're now in Paris. We've met Linguini. And Remy is like, oh, hold on. Let me just like jump in Tom Colicchio style. Like he's like, let me just like make some fucking magic happen, you know? Mm-hmm. And then, and we also, I love that we meet everyone at the same time. They're like, oh, also Skinner, who is like completely insane um, and very small. Totally. I was yeah. thinking about him a lot this time watching through. <laughs> I was like, what, what trauma has this guy experienced in his life? Correct. Yes. He's so bitter. I mean, but I get it because people are like that and people in kitchens are like that. Yes. I actually, yeah, re-watching this and I haven't worked, I mean, I've only hosted, I haven't worked in a restaurant in years, probably like six years, but Mm -hmm. um, it was in the Gold Coast in Chicago, very upscale, very expensive. And um, (laughs) some of the most, honestly, of the interactions in this movie are so true to life. I love this. Yeah. I love the scene. Uh, one of my favorites is when, um, after they, they cook for the first time, or, or I guess this is when they're trying to coordinate for the first time. And he takes him into the walk-in cooler and has a full mental breakdown. Mm -hmm. And I was like, the amount of times I have seen chefs walk into a walk-in cooler and have a full mental breakdown. Like it is just so real. Yeah, I just saw it on Top Chef actually. Somebody, I can't remember, I might've been rewatched season one and yeah, I think it was Dave in season one. He won oh, a sure. challenge, mm-hmm. actually, and he was so overwhelmed, he had to go stand in the walk-in cooler for like 10 minutes. Yep, yeah. Mm-hmm. It makes sense. I mean, it's kind of built for that. And the ki- kitchens are so hot and so emotional, and you can't screw up. Yeah. And it's really like, I remember the one thing, the one piece of explicit advice I ever got from my therapist, because normally they just like nod and smile and encourage you. <laughs> Was I said once, I was like, I think I'm going to become a chef. And she just shook her head no. She was like, 
That's it's like one of the hardest things to do. You're working 16 hours. It's so competitive. You get yelled yes. at. There are skinners all over the place. Yes. Yes. Like that behavior in kitchens is just so common. Yeah. It's and especially for women. I love that they yeah. bring some of that into this with Colette and like, and she talks about how hard it is and how, yeah, like the way she is treated. And, you know, I love it. She says like, do you notice any other women in this kitchen? No, Mm -hmm. like, cause it's so fucking hard. And I was like, she and Stephanie Izard would like get on so well. I was like, put them in a kitchen together. I just want to be best friends with Stephanie, but you know. I do too. I saw her on the, I live in the same neighborhood as Stephanie. Uh So I saw her crossing the street in front of her restaurant a couple months ago. I wish she was open. Her restaurants aren't open right now for carry out. Oh my gosh. Yes, she's she's a badass. She She is. one, One of many Chicago badasses. Yes. But yeah, yeah, she's awesome. And she would be really good friends with Colette. They both <laughs> love butter. I think Stephanie Izard's like secret ingredient is just five times more butter than everybody else. And that's exactly what any chef would say. Yeah. It's like the difference between what you make at home and what we make is, is the amount of butter. That's true. I never thought about that. And that is probably why her food is so superior. I think it's, well, it's part of it. She's also right. a genius. She's brilliant. You're right. We're right. <laughs> right. So, so then Skinner is like, so they've developed like this cool puppetry language between, uh, mm-hmm. yes, uh, Remy and Linguini. Yeah. Love- that's where the movie starts to get a little, um, yeah. <laughs> Wait, did, but where you guys have a deadline for the movie, right? And, right, and right. The thing, right? Didn't quite because it was like even when I was fifteen. Not that that's that young, mm-hmm. but I was. There was always the point in the movie where I'd be like, "What?" Yeah, I I always love finding these moments where I'm like, I just like to think about the writers in and mm-hmm. like the editors, and they're like, okay, so I don't know, so he has to like help him out somehow, and some guys like put him on his head under his hat. They're like, okay, that has legs, and then he's like, make him manipulate him with his hair like a like marionette, and they're like, fuck it, whatever. You know, it's like I just like wonder how those conversations went. <laughs> Right, because when in general, you know, the laws of gravity are in place in the world of movie, in the the movie, and like, you know, just general biological reality rules apply except for that one. Yeah, yeah. I was like, yeah, did they ever think about actually tying strings to Linguini's fingers and like putting them up his coat so that Remy could pull them or right. No. Or like, what if Remy just taught him how to do stuff? Right. And like, no, that, that doesn't work. <laughs> so yeah, it's, I mean, I'm able to ignore it. Sure. It doesn't really bother me and human bodies are weird. So who knows? <laughs> but that's always the point in the movie where I'm like, I'm okay. Right, 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 right. It's hard to suspend uh, any disbelief at that point, you know? Yes, that's that. that um, not that there aren't other moments like sure, that in Ratatouille. Sure, sure. But, uh, but that's, yeah. that's a hard, fast one. Um, mm-hmm. And so then Skinner is trying, I, I always get slightly confused, but I believe Skinner is like, okay, great. I'm going to try and like inherit this restaurant when he finds out because Linguini otherwise will. Yes. That's what's yes. Happening. Yeah. I think there, there's a two year or one year deadline after Gusto's death. Okay. Which once, if his heir does not claim the restaurant, then it gets passed along to Skinner. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and there, when Linguini shows up, they're like two weeks out from that deadline or something. Okay, right. Skinner is just hoping that the time passes. Right. And then Remy discovers the documents and brings them to Linguini. Yes, yes. And I I love that at this point in the movie, we're seeing that great Disney trend of like a protagonist that everyone underestimates and yes. then gets to prove them wrong. Like so satisfying for so, so many satisfying. reasons. And Linguini hasn't treated him well at certain points in that. No. Once we get to that, like, I can't remember what happens right before. I think, oh yeah, it's like when they go on a date and R- Remy is on top of Linguini's head and then he flies mm-hmm. off when they're on the motorcycle and you're like, oh. Yeah. Then the next day he go. He just keeps going back. Right. Um, right. And you're like, yeah. And he's he's smart. He's reading this letter, and he gets that the restaurant should be Linguini's. Yes. And so yeah, you totally underestimate him, and you're like, wow, look, he can fly with those with those will documents. Right. 
<laughs> right across the river was it the Thames? Yeah, the, the Seine. Yeah, Thames. Is I in, think. Yes. Yeah, the Seine. <laughs> Haven't uh, been either, but I think it's the sun. Yeah, we we know geography and rivers, so that's why totally. that's why the people are here. Um, mm-hmm. <laughs> I also noticed I was like, oh, Remy and Linguini, in a lot of ways, have the same dream of like the I, I think making something of themselves, um, yeah, proving to themselves that they can do it, um, which I think is really sweet. It is sweet. And also Linguini has sort of everything going for him, but no talent. And Remy has so much talent, but nothing going for him. Yeah. And there's like kind of two ways to be successful there. Mm -hmm. You know, there's like Linguini does ultimately garner the fame, even though he doesn't have the talent. And Remy is ultimately able to work his way up. But that's sort of that a great cook can come from anywhere thing. Yeah. It's like this, this privilege, not that Linguini's particularly privileged, but in, in like comparison to Remy, he is, mm-hmm. um, that yeah, it, it can come from anywhere and they're just coming from totally opposite situations. Yeah. Yeah. And then, I, um, so Emil then shows up, um, mm-hmm. And, and that's when I always get a little anxious because I feel like I, (laughs) I know what's coming eventually. And I'm like, no, he's doing great on his own. Let him succeed. Let him follow his fucking dreams. Like, don't get in the way, Emil, even though you're cute, you know? I know. And, and so well voiced. Yes. Um, Yeah. I think that's also representing the family guilt that we all deal with in making decisions. Yeah. I mean, we all have to make decisions that are the best things for ourselves that may be really hard on our family. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And that's the hardest part of those journeys of taking the step to do what you love to do is it's always letting your family down or, yeah. I mean, I, I, at least I've found that, that that's the hardest thing, that guilt and that obligation towards doing what's best for your family, but also needing to look out for yourself and balancing those two things, which is like been the theme of adulthood for me is yeah. sort of balancing family and personal interests yes totally and that's exactly what i know but i get anxious there too because i'm like oh, emil you're eating garbage right okay. right and i love i love that you know i mean his family just wants him to do what they know like he wants them he wants him to pursue everything they've pursued which is garbage and then yeah. um and it Remy can't help it if he's worldly and and has an advanced palate. He tries to get them to understand. He really does. And they're kind of dicks about it, especially his dad, if we're being honest. Yeah, and then there's that moment. This is the joke that I got for the first time watching uh it today. uh When he's like, do you do detect the tang? Do you detect the nuttiness? And Emil mm-hmm. says, I'm detecting nuttiness. Yeah. And the first time I realized he was talking about Remy, I had yeah. never done that before. <laughs> um, so just things like yes. that. But yeah, they yes. don't trying to show it to them. I mean, it's the same thing when you're showing someone a movie that you love or a song you love and they're not yeah. giving full attention. Oh, you're it's like, awful. Oh, this is brilliant. You have to, but you know, everybody's different and he can't, he can't get them to see that. Yeah. And, and, as Remy is helping Linguini, he starts to help him. I mean, not only in the kitchen, but then he's helping him with Colette. He basically gets him to kiss Colette and she does not I pe- know. like she doesn't pepper spray him. She's very fucking close. Very but she close. <laughs> I would love to see an outtake where she does. Yes. I, I do love that. She slaps the shit out of him when he is asleep and hung over in the kitchen. That's one of the funniest moments in the movie to me when he starts snoring. Yeah. <laughs> just like, I don't know why, but it surprised me and made me laugh so hard when I saw it in the movie theater the first time. <laughs> oh no. Yeah, Pixar's like, but what if we just have her slap him so fucking hard, his glasses mm-hmm. and hat come off? Like, why not? You know? Oh yeah, please, Colette. She deserves it. She's yeah. working her ass off. And then I always get really sad when then we have to see how horrible humans can actually be mm-hmm. to Remy. That part yeah. is always super hard to watch. Yeah, like disgusting little creature. Yeah, yeah. And like agreeing to help out his family, even though it goes against his own morals. Ugh. Yeah, that's <laughs> tough. tough. I mean, that's one of those dark moments in, and like the other dark moments I'm thinking, I'm thinking like, mm-hmm. 
Sid's house and Toy Story or oh my god, Tokyo. It's just like there's no shyness in Disney movies away from really dark stuff, which I think is really cool and brave and important in a kids' movie. Is not sheltering from them from that. Totally. There's like that flash of lightning that shows all of the dead rats hanging in the window of the exterminator. Yes. that's super dark. Mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. Oh, that's that's really that's really really important, and mm-hmm. it goes in, like when his dad is showing him that. By the way, R.I.P. to Brian Dennehy. I know. This oh, is his dad. So sad. I'm happy that uh, we got to watch it today because I was like, oh, he passed away today. It was a little way to honor him. Yeah, absolutely. And he's fantastic in the movie too. He is um, in everything. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, when he has that moment of you can't change nature. And Remy's like, change is nature. Yes. The part that we can influence. Uh, change. And yeah. Or, and, and he says, I don't want to, um, Oh, I don't want to keep taking things. I want to make things. I mean, right. fuck me up. Like that is <laughs> that's rats. Yes. yes they get it. <laughs> they get it. They get it. I know they do get it. Cause they're not, you know, screwed up by their big brains that make them yeah. self-interested and yes. <laughs> not think about, I was just thinking about that. Yeah. We can be the change. Yeah. You know, yeah. We can not screw up the environment. We can, yeah. that's, that's what we can influence. Yeah. And, yeah. and embrace change when it's right. And I mean, that's, what's always been the great thing about humanity is that People were comparatively horrible 200 years ago to each other. Yeah. You know, Mm -hmm. and we still have a long way to go, but it's like change is what's great. Not staying the same, not reverting. Right. Like that's what's great. And so I love that line. I love when Remy says that. Yeah, that's beautiful. And And then he's, so he's with... He's with Linguini. They're doing the press conference. And then Linguini doesn't give him any fucking credit, which I no. mean, I it's like I get because you don't want to say that, you know, it's a, a rat. rat. Yeah. But I'm also like, that's super fucked up because now like Linguini is like rich. He lives in a new apartment. He has a tiny little windowsill house for Remy. And like, you got to give credit where credit is due. Yeah, or don't wrongly give it to somebody else. Yeah, don't give it. No, don't, don't give it to your say girlfriend. That it's flat, you know, just just sort of vaguely refer to it. Or don't mm-hmm. have Remy on your head when you're doing that. Yeah, right. Like if you're gonna have a press conference for the humans and you're not ready to introduce them to the world, right? Then maybe just you know leave them in your apartment or something. Right, right. Maybe don't. don't. Right. It's just so sad. It's so it sad. But I, but I also, you know what? But I also get it because people would think he was crazy immediately. Right. Which is why they have to do it the way that they do it with ego. But yes. Oh my God. And the fact that the food critic's name is ego, I mean. It's awesome. And that his apartment is shaped like a coffin. Yes. I I noted that. I was like, this is brilliant. It's brilliant. And he's British. I like that detail too. Yes. Yes. It's great. It's perfect. He, it's incredible, incredible. He nearly steals the movie really. Yes. And then I love, I love his arc. Like I love that he is, he is told the truth. He says nothing. And then basically he sacrifices himself in support of what is happening and loses his job and then just becomes like, you know, a guarantor of a restaurant. It's wonderful. I mean, it's, it's like, it's like a a Grinch sort of arc or a Scrooge sort of arc. It's like this seeing this thing that makes you challenge everything you've thought and opens your heart in a way. Yes. Yes. Hooks coming from anywhere. Yes. Um, It's really, really beautiful. I I love everything about it. Yeah. And after the, so then Remy is mad or he's mad at Linguini for not giving him credit and then invites all the rats to raid the restaurant and he gets caught and that's super fucked up. Yeah, um, while Linguini is apologizing to him. Yeah, it's not extra ideal. Crappy. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's definitely, definitely not ideal. Um, but then once, once he has come back the day that Ego is coming uh, and Remy gets caught in the trap and then his dad and Emil come up to save him, um, mm-hmm. he had this line that I hadn't heard before, uh, but Remy said that I can't choose between two halves of myself. Right. <laughs> 
And that's the point in the Pixar movie where I was like, and I'm crying because I'm an adult and I understand the implications of all of this. Exactly. Yeah. You can't choose between two halves of yourself. And then also like 10 seconds later when he's running back to the restaurant, Mm -hmm. he's like, Mm -hmm. they'll fail without me. And his dad's like, why do you care? And he's like, because I'm a cook. And I'm like, that's, he doesn't yep. care. Like he's probably gonna go get murdered by a yep. chef with a blowtorch. Mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. But I'm a cook, and the food. There's a bunch of diners with empty plates. Yeah, an empty plate. Yeah, and I go do my job because that's that's who I am. That's a and big part of myself. Yes, and then they serve ego ratatouille, which yeah. is just the best. <laughs> it's it's really it's really genius. I actually had ratatouille. At um at Disneyland, really? um, they served it at. I think there's a Pixar cafe. Yes, um, mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. California Adventure. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was amazing. Uh, uh, it didn't look quite as pretty as the one served at Gusto's. Sure, but I love sure. that they picked that because it's a peasant dish. Mm-hmm. It has very humble origins, just like Remy. He makes mm-hmm. it all fancy. Mm-hmm. Um, and then ego taking a bite. that's one of the best like 10 seconds of any movie ever to me I think so too (laughs) because that like that basically just explains what art does yeah yeah what successful art does is like he's taking a bite of that his whole heart opens up he's transported Mm -hmm. to a completely different time and place Mm -hmm. and he is changed by that yeah and that's the cool thing about food it just transports you and yeah to a to a totally different it's the closest thing we'll get to a time turner or yeah. like a um like being able to instant being able to apparate or whatever yes all, all the harry potter things <laughs> yes yeah. all of the things <laughs> yeah and then i i love i mean we already talked about how he ends up losing his job but like yeah. i love that then they have not only is gusto's successful but then they also have their little ratatouille cafe Cafe. oh my god ride a little rope down yes and and they have the little like string like the vintage string lights like i just cannot it's all so cute and so yeah or like the paper clip yes the guitar the music that they play is great yes that song by camille i think is the artist's name uh-huh. Um, Le Festine, which is like playing at the end. Yeah. Um, yeah. That you have to tie it all together. And then he, you know, swings down and puts the little sprig of, I don't know what he puts on top of it, thyme or, or rosemary or whatever. And then like goes right. in his little rat staircase to see Ego through the window. <laughs> you're like, oh, I hope best. none of the other customers sees a rat in the window, but it's right. It is cute. Yeah, it is cute. Yeah. What do you, okay. So I'd like to end with like, what do you think, or what is your biggest takeaway or what do you think the biggest takeaway is from Ratatouille? I definitely think like, and this is ego's ultimate review Mm -hmm. of like a great artist can come from anywhere. Mm. I think, I think that's a really and then there's another quote in the movie. I think you actually posted it today. Mm-hmm. About mm-hmm. Only, only anyone can be an artist or a cook, but only fearless ones can be great. Yeah, that's my favorite. Just this sort of, yeah, I mean, it's amazing. But I think that's really true. Kind of what I was talking about earlier about Linguini mm-hmm. actually coming from a more privileged place. place. He's the son of an excellent cook. Mm-hmm. He's got, he got a job so easily in a kitchen. So many mm-hmm. people work their way up from right. being conjurers or dishwashers like mm-hmm. that's sort of a way into a kitchen that's like the only way without going to culinary school and a lot of great chefs work their way up that way yeah it's sort of set up for success but the person that has the talent ultimately sort of shines through um yeah so i think i think that's a big part of it is that a great artist can come from anywhere mm-hmm. but i also think the family part really resonates with me of like having these two halves of yourself and being able to hold one half in one hand and the other half in the other hand and be mm-hmm. like, okay, you know what? I'm both of these things at the same time and they don't necessarily have to conflict with each other. And it's always a struggle to balance them. I think that's just sort of life is yeah. going through and figuring out what do I need to do for myself 
and what do I need to do for my family and balancing those things and not letting one override another. Yeah, absolutely. Um, there's so many messages in this movie. It's really hard to pick one, but it's, I, but I think it's about art and being an artist ultimately like yeah. very broadly. I really think it's anyone who wants to be an artist. There's just so much in that movie about that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's, I, I think, yeah, the idea of taking a big risk and getting a big reward and following, yeah. uh, what you believe in, despite, uh, people telling you that you can't, I mean, what an amazing lesson for everyone. It's just, su- it's a super empowering movie. I mean, it you, really is. You finish watching it and you're like, I'm going to go make some amazing food or I'm going to go, I want to go make something. Yes. It makes you want to make something. Absolutely. I think the best art just inspires you to make other art. Yeah. And that Um, movie does that. uh, I am, I am just so, so grateful. I got you agreed to do this. I know. Me too. No, I know. I'm getting emotional right now, but I got for the first time, this is actually probably the first time I cried twice in the movie. I can't remember the first time. Uh-huh. But the second time was when, for some reason, when all of the rats chipped in to help in the kitchen. Oh, my God. And they were God. going through the dishwasher. Yeah. Oh, I yes. I just got so emotional yes. because I was like, this is, how are they doing? This is, I mean, obviously, you know, that's not very <laughs> right. realistic. But right. I was so moved by them sort of changing their hearts and coming in yeah. to help them and capturing the health inspector. Yes. And like, yes. And it's total selflessness from his family. Ultimately. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. And that like that, I feel like is a definite through line through so many Disney films is the sacrifice yeah. and selflessness of family, oh, um, yeah. which will fuck me up anytime. <laughs> oh yeah. That unconditional love. Because yeah. I think sometimes we think, we're the only people making sacrifices or totally. we, you know, we're just thinking about what we're giving. Right. And then there's moments and they're rare sometimes, but they're so overwhelming when they happen, when your family just surprises you. Yeah. And you just become so overwhelmed with emotion. Yeah, absolutely. And, and that's what that moment really did. But I got super uh, emotional watching Ratatouille uh, today. So thank you for asking me to do this. No, I'm so glad. I hope you'll do it again. This was just... Oh, absolutely. Oh my Anytime. God. Anytime. You're the best. I'm going to... I gotta uh, start watching more movies, more Disney movies. Thank you for joining me for another episode of BDE, Big Disney Energy. We'll see you real soon. 